Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Last month, as you know, President Obama issued executive orders on immigration that will impact nearly 5 million undocumented immigrants in the United States. Those have been in the United States for at least the past five years with no criminal history and in many cases with familial relationships to American citizens will no longer face deportation from the United States. National studies suggest Utah has anywhere between 80,000 and 100,000 illegal immigrants, with nearly 40,000 of them falling under categories not protected under the president's orders. Although Utah doesn't have the highest number of undocumented immigrants, one study by the Migration Policy Institute claims that the state has the highest percentage of immigrants who qualify under President Obama's announcement. Today, we'll be speaking later in the program with Arturo Morales-Yan, who immigrated legally from Mexico, and Luis Garza, Executive Director of Communities United, or Comunidades Unidas. And uh, we'll also be talking with Sue Yin, a mother of four who came to Utah from Mexico 15 years ago and who is now eligible with her family for protection from deportation. We're going to begin, however, with President Obama. This is uh, from his announcement uh, a couple of weeks ago. There are actions I have the legal authority to take as president, the same kinds of actions taken by Democratic and Republican presidents before me, that will help make our immigration system more fair and more just. Tonight, I'm announcing those actions. First, we'll build on our progress at the border with additional resources for our law enforcement personnel so that they can stem the flow of illegal crossings and speed the return of those who do cross over. Second, I'll make it easier and faster for high-skilled immigrants, graduates, and entrepreneurs to stay and contribute to our economy, as so many business leaders have proposed. Third, we'll take steps to deal responsibly with the millions of undocumented immigrants who already live in our country. I want to say more about this third issue because it generates the most passion and controversy. Even as we are a nation of immigrants, we're also a nation of laws. Undocumented workers broke our immigration laws, and I believe that they must be held accountable, especially those who may be dangerous. That's why over the past six years, deportations of criminals are up 80 percent. And that's why we're going to keep focusing enforcement resources on actual threats to our security. Felons, not families. Criminals, not children. Gang members, not a mom who's working hard to provide for her kids. We'll prioritize, just like law enforcement does every day. But even as we focus on deporting criminals, the fact is millions of immigrants in every state, of every race and nationality, still live here illegally. And let's be honest, tracking down, rounding up, and deporting millions of people isn't realistic. Anyone who suggests otherwise isn't being straight with you. It's also not who we are as Americans. After all, most of these immigrants have been here a long time. They work hard, often in tough, low-paying jobs. They support their families. They worship at our churches. Many of their kids are American-born or spent most of their lives here. And their hopes, dreams, and patriotism are just like ours. As my predecessor, President Bush, once put it, they are a part of American life. Now, here's the thing. We expect people who live in this country to play by the rules. We expect that those who cut the line will not be unfairly rewarded. So we're going to offer the following deal. If you've been in America for more than five years, if you have children who are American citizens or legal residents, if you register, pass a criminal background check, and you're willing to pay your fair share of taxes, you'll be able to apply to stay in this country temporarily without fear of deportation. You can come out of the shadows and get right with the law. That's what this deal is. Now, let's be clear about what it isn't. This deal does not apply to anyone who has come to this country recently. It does not apply to anyone who might come to America illegally in the future. It does not grant citizenship or the right to stay here permanently, or offer the same benefits that citizens receive. Only Congress can do that. All we're saying is we're not going to deport you. So there is President Obama announcing his executive action. 
which bypasses uh, Congress, of course, and uh, that has caused some heartburn. We'll get into that a little bit later in the program. Uh, He's laying out uh, what he's going to do, and as I mentioned... This will affect a high percentage of undocumented immigrants in Utah. Utah, according to one study, has the highest percentage of immigrants who qualify under President Obama's announcement. Uh, Some 40,000 people falling under the categories uh, protected under the president's orders. Later in the program, we're going to be uh, bringing in Luis Garza, executive director of Communities United, and Arturo Morales-Yan. Now we welcome in uh, Su Yin. Uh, Su Yin, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Glad to t- <laughs> glad to talk to you. I understand you're a mother of four, came to Utah from Mexico 15 years ago. Yes, I am. Uh, so uh, what was life uh, like in Mexico? Why, why did you decide to come to the U.S.? Well, um, it's harder with the uh, insecure and all these um economy is getting really bad. So even if you graduate from college, you don't have the opportunity to raise a family in a peaceful place and have a better job or, you know, things like that. So the economy, you, you wanted a better economic situation, and, and you mentioned peaceful. Uh, it was maybe yes. a little dangerous where, where you were. Uh, yes. So you decided to come. You, you came. You came with your family. Did you come with your children, or, or did you have your children here in the U.S.? No, I have my children here. I just oh, okay. came here with my husband. Okay, you you and your husband came. Yeah. Um, and and not through the front door, I guess we could put it euphemistically. Well, yeah, we ha- we came here with a tori- tourist visa. Oh, okay, and and then yeah. then then stayed overstayed the visa. Yeah, we love this place. We saw that it's a family place to raise a better family here, better opportunity for our kids. So we decided to stay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which which a lot of people do. Uh, you're you're not alone there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you did it? I don't know. Did it? Occur, did you worry about it? Um, after you overstayed your visa, then you're here illegally, and uh, did you worry about being deported? Yeah, sure. There's always the fear of um, being deported, and when you when you're like without kids, it's not that much. But when you have your kids and you start to raise them here, and you know this is their country, so you start to have that fear that what will happen if we've been deported and go back to Mexico where they don't know the language, the culture, so, yeah, and all the insecurity and violence over there. So, yeah, it is. It mm. is a fear. So you came to Utah. You, I guess you found employment. You, you found a good situation. You wanted to stay. This is where you had your family. What What do your kids think? I guess your, your kids consider themselves to be American. Well, they love this country. Mm. We teach them to love this country, because this is their country, even if they have um, Mexican backgrounds, this is the place they raise, they're going to be raised, this is the place where they born, so we teach them to respect this country. They know about Mexico, but they, they don't know nothing about the way the people live over there, so this is their country, and they, of course, they will be afraid of being deported and uh, well, ours, uh, their parents to be deported. They live in a place they don't know. Yeah, and your your children, by virtue of being born in the U.S., are are U.S. citizens. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, so you you do qualify under President. It sounds like you do qualify under President uh, Obama's yeah. actions here. Yeah. You've you've been in the country uh, at least five years. You have children who are citizens. So, are oh, are are you going to follow the process? Then you're gonna you're gonna register, get a background check, and and uh, and go through the process. Yes, we do. We started to put uh, documents together. Go to the Mexican. Um, Consulate, maybe. Uh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to the yeah to mm-hmm. have all our passports ready, our IDs, all our bills, and all the. We've been paying taxes since we got here, so 
we're putting all documents together, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you think? President Obama mentioned uh, that we're a compassionate nation, but he also mentioned rule of law. He's he touts that he has, he's, you know, he's been tough on the border. Um, what do you think about this idea of rule of law? You 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 essentially came, overstayed your visa, stayed in the country illegally, which uh, which breaks the law. Yeah, I know. Um, well, I think all immigrants who came here, not just Mexicans, we all know that we, we're breaking rules and by working, by staying here. But we also support the economy. We also support, uh, we give something to our community. Like, I'm volunteer in every way I can do it. At school with my kids, with the uh, Comunidades Unidas, um, I'm always trying to help to the community. I'm, I think I'm a good person supporting to this um, country. So even if we're uh, breaking rules, we're also supporting good things, hmm. too. We're trying to raise um, a good citizens for this country. Maybe they're going to be... Um, good leadership in a community. So even if we're breaking the rules, we're trying to do good things. R- right, yeah, I understand. Did, when you and your husband were considering coming to the U.S., did, did you consider applying for, uh, you know, legal status, uh, you know, get a... Uh... Yeah, yeah, we we actually were um, trying to since forever, asking if we can do it some way, somehow. The bad thing is the lawyers always told us to come back to Mexico and apply from there. But when you have a house in here, when you have your kids in here, it's not a, it's not an option to mm-hmm. go back there and stay there for, I don't know, five years until we have the forgiveness. So it wasn't that good, all the choices they gave us. So, yeah, that's why we decided to stay and wait until something happened. Right now, this miracle thing is happening, and we, 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 we're so happy and so thankful, thankful with uh, Mr. Obama, yeah. Did you, uh, were there difficulties finding work without, you know, without legal documents? Yeah, well, every time you try, I'm not working. Mm-hmm. My husband is the one who's working. So uh, every time you wanted to apply to, he's trying to apply to a new job. That's the fear of um, being rejected because of the legal situation. So, yeah, it is hard. It is hard to live here. Even when you go to the doctor with your kids, you are the parent. So it's kind of hard because you don't have a legal ID from Utah. Every time you want to apply for something else, you cannot do it. So there's a hard situation also. Hmm. Uh, Let me... uh... Uh, let me bring in uh, Luis Garza uh, to, to the conversation here from uh, Comunidades Unidas, uh, United Communities, Communities United, I guess. Um, yes. This, how typical is Su Yin's uh, story? I imagine to be fairly, fairly typical from the people you you uh, interact with. Yes. Good morning. Yeah, good um, morning. Yeah. So the, we definitely know that a lot of uh, different families, like Suyins, will benefit from this uh, executive action. So we do have a lot of families that we work with that are in very similar situations, and they are, um, like Suyin mentioned, you know, contributing to the, to our state, to our economy, and to our society. And so we we feel like it's, a, you know, um, it is a good step in the in in the right direction in terms of people being able to um, come out of the shadows, shadows, as the president mentioned. And be even more contributing to our, to our state. The the numbers that were uh, that I threw out at the beginning of the program do they seem right to you? There's a lot of estimates uh, anywhere between eighty thousand one hundred thousand undocumented immigrants, uh, around forty thousand of those falling into the categories under the president's orders. 
Yes, yeah. So that's definitely what what we have seen from our national partners, you know, on the many of the reports, and and it it does seem like it's a it's a good estimate. Uh, and uh, we hear as well that uh, at least under one study, this is from the uh, Migration Policy Institute, Utah has the highest percentage of immigrants who qualify under President Obama's uh, orders. Um, I wonder why that is. Yeah. So there are some. Um, I mean, some of the things that we have thought about is probably because a lot of the family, the families here in Utah, you know, they um, they tend to have uh, children, you know, like the, like the state average, and so that's probably why a lot of people uh, may qualify for the program that compared to other states because there is a very family-oriented state, and the immigrants who come here, many of them um, do come from for religious reasons as well, and so that's something that um, definitely contributes to a high number of people that will benefit. Mm. Uh, let me go back to Su Yin. Uh, you called President Obama's announcement a miracle. This this is something that I guess you've been you've been hoping for. Yes, yes. Since since we came here, that's we were waiting for. And like I say, you always have issues when you try to apply for something, even if it's not a job. And uh, this opened our doors to a lot of stuff like keep studying and graduate from high school and have a better job or a new job with a better opportunities. Now this, uh, if I understand the president's announcement, he, he's not offering uh, citizenship. He's offering residency status. Is that okay for you? Yeah, mm -hmm. it is. I mean, um, maybe that way we can show that we support really good to the economy in this country so that way in, uh, next years maybe in some other years maybe we can have the citizen or the legal oh okay uh, go, go ahead mr garza temporary protection only from deportation oh okay so only okay. only congress can can grant uh, resident status and, oh, okay and citizenship so temporary protection from deportation. So, uh, Suyin, I, I don't know. Do you worry this could be this maybe just temporary, and and in a coming year this this might be lifted. You might be subject to deportation again. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's the risk we have to take because um, by now that's the only chance we have. Mm, so we yeah. have to grab it and see what will happen later. Yeah, we're afraid of what will happen in three years, but we have really high hopes and, I don't know, we have to wait and see what will happen. Yeah. In the meantime, you, um, I guess this must lift some fear for, for you and for a lot of people you know. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> So I have, you mentioned that your your, your children are very proud of, of this country. You yourself consider yourself American, do you? What uh, how do you feel? Yeah, sure. Even if we we don't have um um legal uh, residency here, I mean we love this country because of the opportunity it gave us to raise a family with the better choices, with the better things for them. Not even, not just the things we can buy, but the opportunity to go to college and graduate and be a better person and better citizen. So we are so thankful, and I consider myself as a as a American person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Luis Garza, we're going to take a break here and, and come back. But um, before we go to break, um, there's this idea of uh, paying taxes. And and some say that uh, illegal immigrants are, are not paying taxes, not paying their fair share. What do you say to that? Yeah, so there's definitely a misconception about that. You know, immigrants, uh, when we moved into this country, we do pay, um, you know, sales taxes. People pay taxes when they when they have a, um, a job. And same thing when they if they purchase a home. So it is a big misconception about uh, immigrants not paying taxes. And like Sigin mentioned, you know, people are uh, paying taxes from the time that they move here. And the, the thing that we're recommending now is that they collect all of their documents and information so they can prove that to uh, USCIS when they apply for this. Okay, we'll take a break now when we come back more with uh, Luis Garza, who is with uh, Communities United. Uh, Su Yin, can, can you stay with us as well? 
Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, we'd, we'd only arrange to have you on for, for a little bit, but it, it might be useful to have you on uh, longer. And we are trying to reach Mr. Morales-Yan. Haven't been able to, but we'll keep trying. Mr. Morales-Yan has a very different view of, uh, I would imagine he opposes the president's actions. Uh, he immigrated uh, legally from Mexico and uh, has has been one in favor of uh, strict controls on uh, immigration. We'll, we'll keep trying to reach him. And we're opening the phone lines for you. Uh, I'm curious to see what you think about the president's actions, the effect that this will have. What do you think about the, the whole uh, immigration situation? And uh, perhaps you have an experience uh, along these lines, yourself or a family member or friend. The number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. You can join us on Twitter, at Utah Public Radio. You can join us on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page, and you can email us to upraxcess at gmail.com. More on immigration following this break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the College of Science at Utah State University where graduates' acceptance rates to medical, dental, and graduate schools exceed national averages. When students and faculty learn together, discovery follows. Information at usu.edu science. I'm Michelle Norris in NPR Studio One for this very special holiday performance with Afro Blue, Howard University's premier vocal jazz ensemble. If you have not heard them before, you are in for a treat. Cyrus Chestnut is here too. Check out an Afro Blue Christmas from NPR Music. Thursday afternoon at 2 on Utah Public Radio. We're talking about immigration on Access Utah today. I'm Tom Williams. Uh, last month, just a couple of weeks ago, actually, President Obama issued executive orders on immigration that will impact nearly 5 million undocumented immigrants in the United States. Those who've been in the United States for at least the past five years with no criminal history and in many cases with familiar relationships to American citizens, often with, uh, with children who are American citizens, will no longer face deportation from the U.S. under this order. Uh, national studies suggest Utah has anywhere between 80,000 and 100,000 illegal immigrants. Nearly 40,000 of those fall under categories not protected under the president's orders. And uh, Utah doesn't have the highest numbers of undocumented immigrants, but a uh, study by Migration Policy Institute claims Utah has the highest percentage of immigrants who qualify under President Obama's announcement. So very important here in Utah. We're uh, speaking with Luis Garza, Executive Director of Communities United, and with Su Yin, who uh, with her uh, husband uh, came 15 years ago from Mexico. Uh, she now is mother of four. Those children are U.S. citizens. She qualifies under the uh, president's announcement, and uh, she has called this uh, a miracle. Uh, she'll now have a, a cloud of fear of deportation lifted from her. Love to get your take on this. The number to reach us is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. You can reach us uh, on Twitter at Utah Public Radio, and our email is upraxis at uh, gmail.com, also on Facebook as well. And we hope, uh, as the program goes along, to reach uh, Arturo Morales-Yan, who uh, is in real estate in the uh, Salt Lake area. He immigrated from Mexico uh, legally uh, some years ago and uh, has a different take on on this issue. Uh, Mr. Garza, uh, first in this segment, uh, help me understand the president's order here. Um, The president lists a a few um, considerations, a few qualifications, have to be here at least five years. You can't have come in, you know, yesterday. Uh, children who are citizens, and then you have to go background check and so forth and so on. Do you have to check both of those boxes? Do you, do you have to have been here at least five years and have a relative who's a citizen, or or can it be, uh, or or can you forego the second one? What what are the the essential criteria here? Yeah, so the uh, the criteria is what exactly what you mentioned. So it's really um, people have to meet all of those uh, requirements. So they have to be here for at least five years, and they have to have children uh, that were born here in the U.S. or they're legal permanent residents. And so people who have children um, who are dreamers, you know, uh, people who have now deferred action for childhood arrivals, they do not qualify for this program. And then also um, people who have to pass a background check and they have proof that they've been paying taxes, uh, and that's as far as we know uh, right now from the USCIS um, 
the United States Customs and Immigration Services website, but we're still going to receive more information as the program develops. Okay, the program's still developing, I guess. I was going to ask you if you have people who are, you know, who've actually filled out paperwork and so forth to, to do this. Is, is that available right now, or, or is the program still developing? Yeah, so the program is still developing, and the, what we have heard is that the application will actually not be ready until about uh, six months from the announcement, so that will be around May of 2015. Okay. Um, Suyin, uh, bring you back in. Uh, do you have friends, acquaintances who who are will not be protected under the president's orders? And if so, what do they think? Yes, yes, we have a couple friends that they've been here for ever, like 20 years, but they unfortunately couldn't have children, so um, they do not be able to be part of this um, of this um, action. So, yeah, but they are frustrated because they have kids missing here, they pay taxes, so, and they're good persons, they help in the community, and they're really frustrated. Uh, Mr. Garza, I wonder, let me pose the question I posed to Su Yin earlier in the program, this idea of rule of law. The president mentioned it, at least in passing, in his remarks. Um, and and the you know people who oppose these actions and want to, uh, stricter controls on uh, immigration uh, say that 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 is inescapable. Uh, people who come here illegally are breaking the law, and then so why do we have the law in the first place? Uh, you know, if we're going to be a nation of laws, we should keep the laws. Yeah, and it's, um, and it's definitely a controversial issue, like the president mentioned, um, but it's also. Um, um, it, yeah, I think it's a, definitely an indication that the, our immigration uh, system is broken, and that, uh, uh, polls that we have seen, you know, all, all over the past few years, they indicate that most Americans believe that the immigration system is broken and it needs to be reformed. So it's really a matter of uh, updating the system and making sure that it reflects the needs of this uh, country in terms of the the, the labor, the economic uh, needs. So that's why. Um, it's so important that Congress really takes action on immigration reform because the system is just not working. Mm. What what are um, I, do you talk immigration? Do you do you talk fears? Do you do you talk to people who come into your your center? Uh, you know about what they're feeling about immigration. Yes, and so we we're actually conducting workshops right now to inform people about executive action and how how they can prepare for it, and so um, it is. Uh, I mean, it has brought about mixed feelings, you know, from community members who um, qualify and those who don't. But for for some families like Suyin's, they're definitely um, getting ready for it and very excited about it. And they're sharing um, their, their stories, you know, their immigrant stories and everything that they have gone through to come to this country and how much they are contributing to, to our state. And so it's really important that we highlight all of those stories like Suyin's and, and have the opportunity to share them. And so we all, as, as Utahns, we, we see how, how much we have in common with, with the immigrant community and how much uh, of our values also reflect the values of 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 Utahns and of the immigrant community. So, what uh, you say the the uh, immigration process is broken. I think most would agree with you. Uh, what would you like to see done if you, if you were in charge? What uh, what would be the outlines of a plan that would work? Do you think? Yeah, so um, what we are doing as an organization and what I strongly believe in is that uh, we need a comprehensive immigration reform that includes a pathway to citizenship for uh, the millions of undocumented immigrants that live here in the U.S., especially, um, obviously, um, it will be focused on people who have a clean uh, uh, record, you know, no, no criminal background, and that they um, also prove that they pay taxes, that they learn English or that are attempting to learn English and, and pass a civic test. So we, we do believe that it's... Um, it is uh, a big need that our community has access to ultimately to citizenship because of all the contributions that they make to this country and then also um because of uh, of the um, it, uh, we, i believe you know the inalienable human rights you know people that need to have access to um equal opportunities here in this country hmm. now uh, illegal immigration um, across the southern border has slowed in recent years. Uh, some say that's because we're getting tough on the border. Others say that's just because the U.S. economy has slowed down. What do you, what do you think? 
Um, so I think it's a, it's a mix. So there's definitely uh, many of the Latin American countries, you know, for um, especially since that's the population that we focus on the most. But many many um, of the Latin American economies are getting better. So it's also why it has um, maybe slowed down the migration to the U.S. But then also the the efforts at the border. We you know we do have partner agencies in in the border states, and and it's really not not necessarily the because of that, you know, that people are, that immigrants are slowing down uh, to come to this country. So we, um, I, I believe that the, the efforts at the border are, are not effective. And, and this really needs to be more, more of a focus on um, the, the criminal elements here in our community and being able to uh, provide all of, all of us a, a safer community by de- deporting those that are committing crimes and allowing the, the families that are contributing to stay here. Does that, the police, you know, policing, does that get a little confused at, at times because perhaps people are not willing to come forward and report because they're here illegally? And therefore, is it harder to get the criminal element out of your communities? Exactly, because people are afraid to interact with the police. You know, um, they might they might not be even willing to report a crime that happened to them because of fear of deportation. And it's very good. You know, some cities here in Utah they have been pretty outspoken and saying we will not report anybody to immigration. But then other cities, especially in in some areas in, in southern Utah, uh, it's 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 hard a lot harder because we we don't really know what the police does with uh, the information they collect from people. And so it's. Um, People are afraid, you know, they don't know how to interact with the police officers, and that definitely contributes to to the to un, unsafe neighborhoods. We turn back to Su Yin. Um, I wonder what you think about friends, maybe family back in Mexico. The president, at the same time he did this action, and, and he's been doing this uh, all along and been supported in this, I think, by uh, by many has been trying to really secure the border and he says this is this is not going to open up the border not going to open up new opportunities this is just for people here right now uh, and so maybe it's harder in the future for maybe friends and loved ones in Mexico to to join you well um i don't think they they took it this way because it's been really clear that it's uh just a permission, and uh, it's not a legal resident way, and it's not for people who came yesterday, like you say. So it's been really clear that you have to be here for about five years. So they 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 don't took it like a if I go, I'm gonna get it in next month or in January. I'm gonna be able no. They, they don't think it that way. They, they have it really clear. Hmm. I wonder if I could get you to think back 15 years, you and your husband are making the decision. You've decided you were going to go to the U.S. Um, what maybe you could take us into that decision? Because I, I, you know, it would be, be, be good to understand. You, you've mentioned um, better economic opportunities in the U.S. You wanted a better future, I guess, for your family. And you felt, I guess, unsafe. What What else went to your, into your decision? Yeah, well, that's the main thing. Um, the violence over there, it went, it went bad that time. But right now it's worse and worse. So it, things are getting really awful right now. So there's not a chance to think, well, we can come back to Mexico and see what happened. No, that's that's the worst decision we could take. So, yeah, even if things get a little bit better, I think it's going to the other way. So, yeah, we, we thought about it. We saw the situation getting worse and worse, even if, and that's one of our biggest decisions. To, to that was, That's why we decided to do it, yeah. Luis Garza, I wonder if you could uh, help us get into that decision as well. The people you talk to, what uh, what are the factors? Why uh, I imagine people would stay if they if they felt they could. It's it's not an easy thing, uh, immigrating illegally. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, 
Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the stories that we hear, you know, from the families, you know, they they're very similar to Sugi, and so they they're they're here to to make a contribution, to make an impact. So it will be hard for for many of the families to go back to to their home countries, and then also uh, in terms of the the comment, you know, about people who are in Mexico who would like to migrate in the future. That's why we also need to, but that's why it's so important, again, you know, for comprehensive immigra- immigration reform to happen, because it um, it is pretty common that you know. Uh, another misconception is that people think that it's um, why people don't you just apply and to come to this country, but it's virtually impossible for somebody without family ties or um, a sponsorship from an employer to come to the United States in, in, a, in a legal way. And so that's something that um, that's so important for people to understand that it's for, for immigrants from a certain country, the wait line is about 10 to 15 years or, or more. And so that's, some, that's why it's so important, again, you know, for the immigration system to be reformed. Now, some people come back and forth. Don't they? I've, I've, I've had acquaintances who, uh, you know, come work for a while, go back, come back and forth with people you work with, with generally people who come and stay, or, or, or is there some back and forth migration? Yeah, so usually you see that in the border uh, states, but here, so here we haven't really encountered that many families that do that. Um, but there's some people that have temporary visas that they come here and work. We have seen some of that in the Park City, uh, you know, Wasatch and Summit County areas. So they come for the ski season, um, but that's about it, you know, in terms of the of the migration that they come back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Su Yin, I, I wonder. It's been much in the news uh, lately. It's it's kind of dropped out of the news now, um, because of under misperceptions, perhaps, of a program in the U.S. Um, parents in Central America were sending their children um, up to the up to the U.S. I wonder what you think about that. Would would you would you do that if you were in an unsafe area in, in Central America? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. My kids are. My treasure, I will never, never allow them to be by themselves. I don't even allow them to be by themselves on the street. So I will never do that. But I understand the fear. When I saw the news, I understand the fear as a mom. But I will I will have more um, issues if I allow them to come by themselves. No, that's not an option for me, no. Mm-hmm. Mr. Garza, I wonder what you think about that that whole situation. It's uh, it must be quite the decision for parents to send their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's really hard to tell. You know what? Um, I mean, I, we do have some ideas on what some of the families are going through in their home countries, and so it's really. Um, you know, a, a family decision that they have to make whether it's safer for them to go by themselves to to reach the border or if it is to stay in, in their home countries. Um, so it's you know it's really a fam- I, I believe you know a family decision and and I'm I'm sure that those parents are are trying to do what they think is best for their children. Mr. Garza, I understand you have to leave here pretty soon, about about quarter two. Um, so let me get this email in and, and get your response to it before you have to go. Um, this is Gary in Logan, who says, I'm an American citizen, a native Utah, as are my entire family. While I was a child, I remember when a local meatpacking plant that employed many undocumented workers was raided by the Immigration and Customs Enforcement, and they were deported back to their countries. This was an event which first ignited my opinion on immigration in America. What I saw from the Utah community at the time made me very sad, as many people were celebrating as these other people's families were going through a traumatic experience, being forced away from their children, their parents, their livelihood. I remember those days uh, seeing the children of those who were deported at my school when the news broke that the parents were now on their way out of the country, the tears streaming down their faces as they tried to grasp at that moment their family had forever been changed. I appreciate Su Yin's comment about immigrants coming to do good in America. Although rules may have been broken, these people are still people who deserve justice. That's uh, Gary in in Logan. Uh, Mr. Garza, your, your response to that. Yeah, I mean, I, de- I definitely agree. You know that I it it really saddens us how um, immigration and customs enforcement focuses on 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 those that haven't um, really committed a crime. You know, they're, they're really trying to make a better life for their families. And we have heard many of those stories. You know, that people get picked up uh, at, at their at their workplace and they don't come back to their children to 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 their homes. And so it's really. Um, 
really a difficult situation for some of these families, you know, and they, they are not able to live their lives fully because of that fear, you know, so that's when people talk about integration, um, they need to think about these things, you know, it is harder for somebody to integrate when they are uh, constantly living in fear, you know, they, they might not be able to um, go to school, or they might not be able to um, get a better job because of that, you know, so it's, 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 it's extremely important for people to um, understand why, um, the system is to be reformed and why a decision like the president's is it's positive for the community because at least it gets us all thinking about immigration so hopefully congress will um, get some something done in, in the near future so ian i wonder what you think of gary's uh, comments what uh, what what goes goes through your mind as you as you hear about that those experiences well uh i think it's it's awful it's so sad i mean we as an adult we can adjust and we can go back there and try to live our lives. But what about these kids? They don't know the culture. They don't know the other kids make fun of them because the way they speak Spanish. And uh, I think their lives will be miserable over there because that's not their country. So, yeah, that's really bad. I think it's the saddest thing could ever happen to those kids. Hmm. And I suppose, even though the climate has changed a bit, they, this could still happen to, you know, to, to, to people, to families. Yeah, yeah, I think. Because there's some parents who make bad decisions when they were here, when they just came here, and maybe they have DUIs with them, and they don't have the opportunity. And maybe they're good citizens, I mean, good persons right now, but they did bad decisions at the time, and they have regrets, and maybe they don't have the opportunity to apply. Just a couple of minutes left uh, here. Uh, Mr. Garza, I wonder, uh, uh, last comments from you. What do you, uh, I imagine you don't have a lot of people that you talk to who are happy about the president's orders. Um, What uh, what do you think is going to happen going forward? Yeah, so we definitely the the number one recommendation that we're giving to the community is to not apply for anything right now. You know, not attempt to because we we know there's people out there taking advantage of our community, saying you know you can apply here for the president's executive order. So it's really important to avoid fraud and to keep them every, themselves informed about this. So the application is is expected to be out in May, and so make sure that you know we're inviting the community to seek reliable sources um, so they can apply for the for the permit and then for for any more information about executive actions. It's really important that everybody stays informed and that they don't rush into applying for something that doesn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, Suyin, what uh, I guess when, when it's available, you will be applying uh, along with your husband for, for this. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, we started right now, we just started to uh, put all the documentation um, together that way we don't have to wait at the very last minute, make a huge line or things like that. We started to make our savings to pay for the um, for the application. So yeah, I, I suggest to everyone to go and try to have all your documents together. That way you can do it right after the, the application got out. And we'll see what happens in uh, in Congress, whether uh, whether uh, any action is uh, forthcoming. Uh, we have been talking with uh, Su Yin, who's a mother of four, immigrated with her husband 15 years ago from uh, Mexico. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, Luis Garza, Executive Director of Communities United. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the invitation. And uh, we never were able, obviously, to reach uh, Mr. Morales-Yan. We'll have him on a, a future uh, program. Uh, and uh, join Sherry Quinn for Access Utah Science Questions. That's coming up tomorrow. Thanks for listening today. On the next Kutumayo World Music Hour... Home recording studios and music mixing software have made it affordable for talented musicians to produce and distribute their own music. I'm Dan Storper. And I'm Rosalie Howarth. Join us for a new groove, the next Putumayo World Music Hour. Friday night at 10 on Utah Public Radio. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members 
and Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread, located at 300 South and 300 West in Logan, featuring a holiday cookie box sampler for dinner parties, business meetings, and gifting. Information at crumbbrothers.com. And by Dr. Brad Chambers with the internal medicine team at the Budge Clinic, 1340 North, 500 East in Logan. Glad to be giving to Cache Valley and wishes listeners a happy holidays. Information at 435-716-1808. Hi, this is Brian Earle from the Zesty Garden. This Thursday is an encore presentation of our holiday readings from last year. You'll hear stories from England, including Mr. Toad, Mr. Badger, Rat and Mole, then a reading on why Christmas trees aren't perfect. It's our gift to you. Thank you for listening to the Zesty Garden throughout the past year and making this show what it is, a place for gardeners to gather together. It's the Zesty Garden, Thursday mornings at 10 o'clock from Utah Public Radio. It's the Beehive Archive on Utah Public Radio. I'm Megan Van Frank. Birds do it, so do humans. This week, learn how humans in Utah have been heading south for winter for more than 1,500 years. First this. I'm Cynthia Buckingham, director of the Utah Humanities Council. Beehive Archive is brought to you on Utah Public Radio by the Utah Humanities Council with the generous support of the Lawrence T. and Janet T.D. Foundation. UHC is proud to partner with community organizations to tell Utah stories as part of our statewide tour of the Smithsonian Exhibition, Journey Stories. Tune in each week for a new Utah Journey Story from the Beehive Archive. Welcome to the Beehive Archive, a two-minute look at some of the most pivotal and peculiar events in Utah's history. Along the Lower Bear River, where it stretches into the Great Salt Lake, are the remains of five prehistoric campsites. Archaeological excavations reveal that the Fremont Indians who lived there timed their annual travels through the area to take advantage of the weather and the local amenities. It's a pattern we still follow centuries later, as snowbirds flee northern winters for warmer climates in the south. Although the Fremont were not quite jet-setters, they kept several homes and visited them according to the season. Early each spring, and again in the late autumn, the Fremont reopened their camps along the lower reaches of the Bear River. These were the best times to be on the Great Salt Lake, with ducks and geese arriving to use the river marshes as a way station along their migratory path. Bison were also plentiful on the river during these months. The five Fremont River camps stand a couple miles apart from each other and were used seasonally for many generations. The earliest camp has been carbon dated to 540 AD and shows evidence of pit houses, corrals and fences, as well as garbage pits that contained old pottery, tools, and the jumbled remnants of many dinners. Another camp shows that its owners returned year after year to make repairs to their pit houses. This site yielded pottery and tools, but also corn grinding equipment that likely stayed with the camp even as its owners moved around. Clay figurines and shells found at this site indicate long-reaching trade routes. 100 shallow storage pits at yet another camp show that the Fremont prudently stored food as part of their migratory lifestyle. Meat from a bounteous fall hunt would be dried and stored with corn for use the following spring. Always on the move, the Fremont linked their lives to the seasons. They weren't so different from today's northern Utahns whose mobile homes mingle with I-15 traffic early each winter on the way to sunny Arizona. This episode of the Beehive Archive was contributed by the Utah Division of State History. Sources and past episodes may be found at utahumanities.org. For the Beehive Archive, a production of the Utah Humanities Council, I'm Megan Van Frank. Access Utah is a production of Utah Public Radio. You can listen to this episode or previous episodes of Access Utah anytime at upr.org, where you can find a link to subscribe to our podcast. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 89.5 Logan, KUSK HD1 88.5 Vernal, KUSL HD1 89.3 Richfield, KUST HD1 88.7 Moab, and KUSU FM HD1 91.5 Logan. Thank you for listening to Access Utah, and now for Utah News. The last remaining uranium mill in the U.S. is located near Blanding. During the last two years, monitoring has revealed that the mill's waste pools are emitting dangerous amounts of radon gas. But despite those readings, regulators want to eliminate requirements for radon monitoring. John Kovash reports. 
The White Mesa Uranium Mill is only three miles from the Ute Mountain Ute village of White Mesa. Recently, tribal air quality experts reported what they call alarming findings concerning efforts to reduce radon emissions by covering toxic sludge ponds with radioactive water. The tribe has allied with several environmental groups to oppose the EPA's intention to discontinue radon monitoring. Sarah Fields is the director of Uranium Watch, one of the groups concerned about this development. It would remove the requirement to monitor and report the radon emissions from the older tailings impoundment. It would keep the regulation that says that for the newer tailings impoundments, you don't have to monitor any of the radon emissions or report them. Or if the radon emissions exceeded a certain standard, uh, take a f- effective corrective actions to reduce the radon emissions. So effectively, the EPA wants to not have any specific uh, radon emission standard for conventional uranium mills. But it's a stretch to call White Mesa a conventional uranium mill. In recent years, the mill has survived not by processing yellow cake ore, but by taking in radioactive wastes from around the country. Field says the resulting waste lagoons are emitting at least five times as much radon as federal health standards call for. The EPA has told the public for decades that there are no radon emissions from the liquid impoundments or the liquid ponds that are on top of solid tailings impoundments. Um, But recent data and research by the the Ute Mountain Ute Tribe shows that the radon emissions from the liquid impoundments are quite high. And when radon is emitted, then it quickly breaks down into highly radioactive particles that can be inhaled, that are taken up by dust, that are dispersed. Jennifer Thurston is a researcher and activist for the Information Network for Responsible Mining. She says it's not a good time for the EPA to abandon radon enforcement. It was not a standard that was up to snuff, you know, in terms of what we think is important to protecting public health today. The last time this rule was updated was in the 1980s. And so it's been a long time since the EPA, you know, even looked at the regulation. And what they've done is actually relaxed it at this point instead of tightening it and making it better. As the price of uranium continues to plummet, Energy Fuels, owners of the White Mesa Mill, have announced that the mill will be idle at the end of the year, along with remaining uranium mines, including the mine at the north rim of the Grand Canyon. When they're not really in the uranium business and they're not processing yellow cake, um, there's definitely uh, an impetus to produce and process more alternate waste materials. Um, You know, the White Mesa Mill has kind of developed this sideline business because there hasn't been enough uranium mining to really keep it open. And the addition of those materials from different kinds of industries um, are problematic. And Mariah Pitt is a staff attorney and director of the energy program for the Grand Canyon Trust, another group that has taken sides with the Ute Mountain Ute tribe. Uranium mining and milling are inherently dangerous activities because of the radioactivity associated with uranium. And so all activities that occur in the uranium industry need to occur in the maximum compliance with the laws that are designed to protect public health and safety, and that includes the Clean Air Act. Tapp says her group fears that, like the Atlas Mill in Moab, operators will walk away from the mess they've made after the price of uranium goes down. The EPA is now studying comments from both the uranium industry and its critics, and it could be a year or more before the decision is made about the radon monitoring. Meanwhile, opponents also plan to contest the mill's upcoming license renewal. Reporting from Southeast Utah, this is John Kovash for UPR News.